Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, go ahead and magnify the Lord. Would you do that? Let's magnify the Lord. Let's exalt His name together. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Lord. So glad that you're here this morning. We are going to bring our text today from the book of Psalms, chapter 150. And uh, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will, what? And be glad in it. Can you say amen? Amen. And so we top that kicking off this series of We've Come to Praise Him. We plan to do a few weeks of this. Of course, next week is Easter, meaning that we have a 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. mirrored services, and there will not be first word. But after that, we will pick back up and continue. I want to say we're so glad to have Brother Donnie, Pastor Donnie Sheeran with us, who's going to be ministering our 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. service. So glad that you're here. Great friend, great preacher, and uh, just uh, so powerful. We come from a children's ministry conference this weekend. We're 26. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So thankful right here in Ohio. And our children's ministry teams were ministered to, and for that we're very, very grateful. Before we read the Word, I know we've already prayed, but I think it would be great that we say, Lord, Look up and down the avenues of my soul. Search me today. Is there anything in me that needs to be changed or made ready or made right? Would you lift your hands? God, would you search us today? Search the avenues of our soul. We want to be right with you. We want to do your will. We magnify you, God. Hallelujah. Forgive us of anything in us that's not pleasing to you, O God. We want to search our hearts. We want to be right with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody says, Amen. I'm just going to read one verse here. Psalms 150, verse 1. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Everybody say, We've come to praise Him. He said, Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. This was what I taught, I think, the week before COVID. I preached two series on praise Him in the sanctuary, in the, what we would call the church house. Then I also taught you got to learn to praise Him outside the church house. And miraculously, I don't say, or coincidentally, we had to praise Him in our own house. Amen. And how many remember Finn in our Bible studies from home, his feet coming out swinging during the Bible study. Do y'all remember that? Because we were having Bible study from the home. (laughs) And uh, good times. But I I do feel like if we're not careful, even with the COVID uh, being reactionary to what happened to COVID, the messages begin to preach, and they were right, is that the church has left the building. The church is not a building. We can have church in the street. We can have church at home. We can have because the church is the body. How many know that is true? And people can be saved outside of the sanctuary. But 
The word says, praise him in his sanctuary. And so we can't ever forget also the significance and the importance of God's house. It's not my house. It's not your house. How many know it's his house? I want you to say praise him in his sanctuary. God bless you as you are seated. In Psalms chapter 134, it, it says, verse 1, Psalms 134 and 1 says, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. There, there's your verse for why we stand so much in the Pentecostal church. Lift up your hands. Everybody do that. Let's practice this. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Would you give him a wave offering right now? Amen. We lift our hands in the sanctuary. Praise God. And bless the Lord. The Lord hath made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. There is a verse in Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1, when they were returning from Babylon or Persia back to Jerusalem after 70 years. How I many know they had left Jerusalem for 70 years? The house of the Lord had been demolished and um, they had been under the, the, the bondage to Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, Persia, uh, those 127 provinces they were scattered to across the known world. But when they returned, everybody say they returned. The first thing they did was they started building first the temple of God, the house of God, which today we're calling His sanctuary. Everybody say sanctuary. And so when they started, the local government in, in Jerusalem said, Stop! You read it in the book of Ezra, the last verse of chapter 4. Stop working! Stop building. Who do you think you are? And the Bible says in chapter 5 that Haggai and Zechariah showed up and started prophesying and said, keep on working. Keep on building. Because God had a plan that his sanctuary, his temple, would be built again in Jerusalem. Can you say amen? Because the house of God is important to the Lord. Do you believe this place is important to God? It, everybody shout, this is God's house. And look what it says. It says in Haggai chapter 1 verse 3, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Verse 14, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and you'll find that he was... He was the carpenter that was chosen by God to build the house of the Lord. And he said, the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. That when you get done with this, it's going to be greater. God was speaking to his people about building him a house for them to worship in. I'm teaching you today that it is the will of God to praise him in his firmament, at home, at the job out in the woods, on vacation, wherever you are, you can praise him in your car on the way to work. And how many know he'll even move in your car? 
But it's not just in the firmament. We've got a place that we come to systematically, consistently, methodically, week by week, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and we can lift our hands in the sanctuary as a body and praise him. Come on, that's why he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I'm glad I could praise him by myself, but there's something that happens when I get with the people of God and I start lifting up the name of Jesus. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Come on, clap your hands, all you people, and shout with a voice of triumph. Come on, praise him just for a moment. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Somebody shout hallelujah. So it is important, it is not only important, it's imperative that the house of God become a place that we consistently go and dwell. Many people that I pastor have walked away from the Lord at times prior to me being here, while I was the pastor here. I've seen many people walk away from God and come back and they always say, I wish I'd have never left. We see this always in the scripture. We see this. The Bible says to all of us, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every man drawn away by his own lust. We've seen that in youth. We've seen it in adults. We've seen it in even elderly people. I've seen them walk away from God. But when they come back, they say, oh, I, I missed it so much. And didn't have any peace because there was something significant about being in the house of God. Can you say amen? And so aren't you glad that you had, when you walked away, there was a place to come back to? Aren't you glad you had a place to come back to? And let me just word it this way. That hadn't changed the doctrine, hadn't changed his passion, hadn't changed his love for God. You can still feel the same God here. I will want to come back to a church that had changed its ways. Somebody shout hallelujah. Everybody shout build that church. And that's what they did. And um, so years ago, my dad and, and my, my dad had uh, a, a, a vision. And in this vision, there was literally like a screen that came off the wall. And uh, he, had, he had had a dream that night. And I won't get into the dream, but God spoke to him and he was awake. It was like a screen. You can see that also happened in Acts chapter 10 when uh, uh, Simon Peter was on the roof of his house. And it's like a four-corner sheet that came down to him and the unclean beasts that were there. And God spoke to him, go with the men that's going to knock at your door. And God gave him a word that way. Well, my dad had that to happen. In that dream or in that vision, there was seven people that came up on that, that like screen. They would come up and the Lord would speak to them what they were doing in secret. He would reveal to my dad things they had said, things we were doing. For and... Um, uh, when my dad, there's seven, one, one, one was these, this lady will, will hop from church to church because, hop from church to church because she doesn't want spiritual authority in her life. And so she doesn't want to be submitted to spiritual authority, so she will go here, 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 and, uh, and says she's willing to sacrifice her children and grandchildren because she doesn't want to sit under spiritual authority. And another one came in, and there were seven people that came in so specific that he got up and weeping and crying. It, it, was, it was hard for him to work through. And he got up and told the, the church, God has given me a vision. He's revealed things to me. That there's some stuff in the stream that's causing the flow of God to not flow in the church. 
Only the seven that were in that vision are the ones that either called him or came to him. And for instance, the lady called and she said, I'm losing my children and my grandchildren. And my dad responded to her, Thus saith the Lord. Because you're not willing to submit to spiritual authority, you will, you will hop from church to church. And God said that you're willing, we're even willing to sacrifice your children or grandchildren because you don't want to be submitted to authority. She said, I don't believe it. But all of her children and all of her grandchildren were in the church that day. But none of them, 30 years later, in the church. And she's already passed away. Not one of her children lived for God today or grandkids. There was a warning from God. One, of the, one man, God has spoke to him and said, you have taken your children out of the house of God and have put them in sports and dancing. And because of that, God is angry with you and he hates it as much, that's what the Lord said, and he hates it as much as Molech offered his kids on the altars to heathen gods. Taking your children out of church putting them in sports and dancing out of the house of God. My dad didn't know anything except the vision, and God spoke to him this. And that man called the house and said, I'm losing my children. What do I do? And he said, thus saith the Lord, you have taken your children out of the house of God and have put them in sports and dancing. You've taken them away from the house of God, and God hated as much as Molech offered his children to, to heat on, on the fiery altars the heathen gods. He hates it as much as that. And he said, I don't believe that. Thirty years later, children do not live for the Lord. And he didn't want to hear what the man of God had heard from the Lord. Why do you say this, Pastor? I say this because we are living in an end time where the Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 25 that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. I believe God can move in our houses. I believe God can move in my altar. I believe God can move when I'm out in the woods. God can move when I'm on the riverbank. God can move when I'm in the car. I thank God that he's that personable. But I say to you in the fear of the Lord in teaching that, that he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as, as, as some customs are, but do more so as you see the hour approaching. You know what that means? Shouldn't be less church. There should be more gatherings in the house of God. Pastor, it's hard to respond because it's sobering. I understand that it's sobering, but when you are a preacher in 2023, you're standing against the tide of the end time, the tide of American culture that says church is not important, the commandments are not important, the law is not important, morality is not important, righteousness can be determined by whoever wants to determine what righteousness is. But I'm gonna tell you why we need the church because we need his word. We need to be together. We need to gather together. I don't wanna lose my children to the world because I do not value the house of God. Come on, you've got to value the house of God. You've got to value the things of the Lord. Somebody shout amen. amen. I don't want the church to be an obligation. I want it to be something that we look forward to. You will find even when the, when the sanctuary was a tent or tabernacle, the word tabernacle is, can be tent. Um, and uh, that was a mobile mobile unit that, that was taken care of by the children of, of Levi. And there were over 8,000 Levites that took care of the tabernacle. That's how many roles it was dealing with the sacrifices and the Kohites that would literally carry. They were the mobile carriers of the brazen altar and, and those. There was people that were used. And this sanctuary was a place. Every tent, how many ever seen the picture of the children of Israel in the going through the wilderness. Every tent faced what? 
Everybody say the tabernacle, which we would call the sanctuary. It's where God met his people collaboratively. There was a pillar of fire by night. There was a cloud by day. They were focused on what God is doing. I say to you, if you wander off alone to do your own thing, you're going to lose track of what God is doing. There's got to get something back in us that we teach them to our children and even children's children. We need to be in the house of God to see what God is going to do. What's God's next move? Where is he taking us? What is his spirit saying in the last hour. The church is important. Can you say amen? Do you realize there used to be a blue law in our culture that they would not allow any businesses open on Sundays? You know why? Because everybody was to go to church. Even George Washington, our first president, told his army, he said, I've heard that some of you, I've heard that you are cursing using words we shouldn't use in this Christian nation. He said, I want all of you to be at church on Sunday. Amen. Do you realize that every president still swears in the office by putting their hand up on the word of God? Do you realize when you stand before court and you make an oath, you make an oath, oath to tell the truth that your hand is upon the word of God? Why? Because it's this the foundation of truth and there is an attack on everything that God said is valued, everything that God said is significant, everything that God said we need, there is an attack on that. But I'm preaching to the choir right now. You're hearing even first word. You realize the value of coming to the house of God and lifting up holy hands and said, I give you credit for every good thing. You didn't have to be here this morning. You're here because you want to be here. You're here because you desire to be in the house of God. Somebody say amen. You understand the enemy would love to take you out of the house of God. You will not think right when you're by yourself. You will not think right when you're out of the house of God. How many know it's true? And you can say that was me at one point, pastor. I mean, remember when you walked away from God, you didn't think right. But aren't you glad he let you return? Clap your hands and thank God for that. Praise the name of the Lord. Woo, I think we'll just lift our hands in the sanctuary and love him for a moment. Come on, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Somebody shout glory. Psalms 100, I referenced uh, last week. I told you the first verse that I remember being memorized. And Psalms 100 verse 1 says what? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Can you say amen? We belong to him. He said, enter to his gates with, not just one gate, but two. Into his courts with, be thankful to him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Now I feel like preaching just for a moment. 
Because there are two gates, there's two courts. When you went to the temple or the tabernacle, there was an outer court and an inner court. The east gate let you into the outer court. That was the yard of the church. That was where you came in. When you come in the east gate, you come in with thanksgiving. You know what you're doing then? You are thanking him for everything he's done for you that week and beyond that week. You're reflecting in thanks. You're reflecting for his goodness. Thank you for the job. Thank you for food on my table. Thank you for taking care of my children. Thank you for the rain that falls from heaven, for the abundance of the crops. Thank you. Are, are y'all with me right now? You are thanking him for what he has done. That's the first gate. But the second gate, you're not thanking him for what he's done. You have turned and you're thanking him for what he's going to do. Because only God has your future. So you come in thanking him with reflection. Then you turn around and you thank him with expectation. I am thanking him. You've got my Monday. You've got my Tuesday. You've got my Wednesday. You've got my tomorrow. You've got the rest of the year. That's why we come on Sunday. Thanking him for yesterday. But we've come to thank him for our tomorrow hallelujah that old song my brother would sing in church that says there's many things I don't know I don't know about tomorrow but I know who holds my hand for the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he making me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside still waters he restoreth my oh I wish somebody would jump to your feet and shout it's gonna be alright because he's my shepherd He's my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Look at your neighbor and say it's going to be all right because he's our shepherd. Woo! He's so good of a shepherd that he left the 99 in the sanctuary, walked out to where you were. He might have even reached through a live stream service when you were in your house and you felt him pulling on you, you felt his arms wrap around you. He gave you repentance. He gave you restoration. He picked you up. He put you on his shoulders as the lamb, as a sheep. And the shepherd comes walking back to the sanctuary. He says, I'm putting you back where you belong. Aren't you glad he didn't leave you in the ditch? He didn't leave you in the mess. Woo! He brought you back to his house. So there's proof right there. We shouldn't be trying to live for God by ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a sheep. Everybody say, his sheep in his flock. You know, I've noticed about most sheep there alone, they die. The whole purpose of the roaring lion is to separate the flock. But when the sheep are gathered together, there's power. Everybody say, in being together. Amen. Let's, let's look at something here for a moment. Everybody say, praise him in his sanctuary. I feel like praising him right now. Come on, I, I know who I'm preaching to. I'm teaching you, but there's a praise in this building. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship. Come on, there's something moving in this room right now. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will, we will. Somebody shout, we will rejoice. Amen. Do you know the devil would love to shut the doors to the church? 80 years he's tried and failed. 
Amen. 80 years. That's a long time. He, he, he would love to shut your mouth of praise. Do you know that's right? The Bible talks about, in 2 Chronicles 26, tells us about a king who started ruling. 2 Chronicles 26, he started being the king at age 16. He ruled for 52 years. His name was, anybody know? Uzziah. His name was Uzziah. There's a verse that says, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought God, God prospered his way. For there's a verse that says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. Verse 16 says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. The Bible says, and he transgressed the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah, Azariah the priest went in after him and with him four score priests of the Lord that were valiant men. That's 80. 80 priests went in there and said, hold on. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said to him, and appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord. You're the king, but you're not the priest. Everybody say, God's house has perfect order. And what happened is Uzziah approaches in as the king, and he's going to do it his own way. He somehow got uplifted in his own self, and... And when he did, they, they appertained him. They're saying, you can't do this. There's order. There's, they're, 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 everybody needs somebody in their life that has veto power, a no in your world. I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't want to be my own pastor. I wouldn't want to be my own priest. Every man thinks he's right in his own eyes. But God gives you somebody in your life, and I have that in my life, elders around my life. I have a pastor. And, but he decided to do it his own way. And when he did, look what happened. The Bible says, then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand. That's an that's a instrument to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the Bible says, leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. When, when, he, when he decided to do it his own way, the Bible says leprosy appeared on him. It was a law that a leper could not go to the house of God. And uh, let's look, look what it says. And Uzziah the king was a leper under the day of his death, verse 21, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people. He made a decision that affected him, brought sin in his life, that caused him to not go to the house of the Lord. Let's look at the next verse, verse 1. Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign. This is Uzziah's son. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name, uh, go to verse 2. And he did that which was what? Are y'all with me right now? And did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah did. Howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, what we would call the sanctuary. So in all of his kingship, although he did right, he never went to the house of God. Isn't that something? So Uzziah made a decision that he couldn't go and then his son, Jotham, just never did go. Look at the next verse. Uh, Ahaz, the Bible says he did not, verse 1 of chapter 28, 
He did not which was right in the sight of the Lord. And verse 24 says, And it has gathered together the vessels of the house of God, cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God, and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. He closed the doors to the church. Isn't that interesting? Are y'all with me right now? So, so Uzziah made a decision, couldn't go to the house of God, had a son that never went to the house of God, who had a grandson who shut the door so nobody could go to the house of God. It was the progression of sin that became worse in the next generation. I would say to you, be careful to not go to the house of God. Because it will affect the next generation of their decision about the house of God. Can you say amen? And so something powerful happens though in this, in this progression away from God, the things of God, the house. The Bible says that he even tore down the altars and built altars. Woo! He built altars because he can no longer win the battle. He can no longer win the victory. That he, he, he went to the king who conquered him and he got a blueprint of his altar and he built an altar shaped like the altar of the heathen God and started worshiping what he worshiped, the way he worshiped. And then took his kids and started, the Bible says his son specific, and offered him on an altar of fire. That doesn't mean he burnt him literally. It, what it meant was asceticism would have caused him to walk for How many's ever seen asceticism? Everybody say asceticism. That's where they call them fire walkers. They take the, their shoes off and they cause them to walk barefooted across hot coals. That was a practice of idolatry. And Ahab not only was causing everybody to not go, but Ahab was causing his kids to walk on fiery altars to heathen gods, offering them to heathen gods. And who was damaged by it would have been Hezekiah. They believe, scholars believe it was Hezekiah, that if you would have looked at Hezekiah's feet in his older age, he would have had scars from walking on fire, hot coals to heathen gods. Because the progression went from not going Never going, shut the doors until now they're worshiping another God. But something got a hold of this Hezekiah. Something stirred within him. And the Bible says he began to reign when he was 20 years old. And he reigned nine and 20 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. The first thing he did, we're gonna open the doors to the church. I think it's powerful. And when he opened the doors of the church, he began to get order back in, put the priests where they need to be, put everybody where they need to be. He dusted off the word of God. He got everything the way it should be so people could return to the house of the Lord. Can I say to you, the best decision you'll ever make is getting back in the house of God, getting back to the things of God. That's what happens. It will always impact the kingdom. It will always impact your family. You know what he told Timothy? Paul said, when you obey the word, it's not like only going to impact you, but it's going to impact those that hear you. Can I tell you in the end time, there is and will be a great return to the house of the Lord, to the house of the sanctuary. I think for a moment we ought to praise him in this place and lift up holy hands and say, thank God for his sanctuary. Woo, somebody shout glory. 
they, they started putting the things. Look at your neighbor and say, welcome back to the house of God. Praise the name of the Lord. First thing he did was he repaired the doors that had been nailed shut. He got them fixed. He, 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 he got them prepared. And on those doors, you'll find, let me just off memory here for a moment. On those doors of, of the temple, those doors of that temple that was built by Solomon, what you would find is the doors were made of olive wood. The doors were made of olive wood. That's, that, that's, that's, that, that, that's what they were made from. It was, it was olive wood that made the doors. Representing Sister Hodge, so good to see you. I know you haven't felt well, but we're glad. We're praying for you. Woo! Hallelujah. I mean, no, David said, I was discouraged until I came into the sanctuary. Praise the name of the Lord. The doors, everybody look at the doors. The doors of the temple came together. They were made of olive wood. On the doors were carved cherubims, palm trees, and flowers. Cherubims, palm trees, and flowers. What it represented was the door was what represented was on the inside of the house of God. If you would have stood outside of the house of God looking at the doors, would you, would you just stand outside in the outer court and let's look at this beautiful temple that Solomon built. I mean, it, it, was, it was a wonder of the world. If you would have stood there looking at the door, if you'd have just raised your head up where the pillar was, on top of the pillar, there was as, like a bird's nest was carved out into the temple by the pillars was a bird's nest. It was, it was birds and lilies that were carved together and you would have looked at the door that you go into, but while waiting to get into the door, you would have seen lilies. You would have seen, you would have seen a bird's nest that was there. And so later in the scripture, Jesus makes this statement and he says something like this. He said, the birds do not toil, but yet your heavenly father feeds them. Amen, amen. Are you not greater than the birds? He goes on to say, like Solomon, in all of his beautiful array of clothing, was he not clothed better than the lily of the fields? And if your God will provide for the birds and will clothe the lily, will he not take care of you and your family? <laughs> Praise God. That's what it was represented. Because when you were getting ready to come in, you were reminded, if he'll take care of the birds, he'll take care of the lilies, he's gonna take care of me, he's gonna take care of my wife, he's gonna take care of my children. Everything I need is in the house of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. You know why it was put up there? Because it was put in a place where you look up. Everybody just take a moment and look up. Lift your eyes unto the hills, which cometh your help. Your help cometh from the Lord. He, it was so designed, I haven't even gotten to the house of God yet. We're still standing outside. Are you standing outside with me? Amen. Right now, it's not 34 degrees. It's a perfect 68 or 70 degrees. The skies are clear and the sun's shining down this spot. I'm not talking about out here. I'm talking right now in our imagination. Are you right? And so they're standing there and, and, and they're, they're, they're looking at this. And there was a law that when Solomon built this in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, after it was done, it was finished, he built an altar and made a sacrifice. And he said a prayer. And in his prayer, he said, 
if the heavens dry up and there is no rain because Israel has sinned, if they will turn to this house and repent, will you not open up the heavens again? Woo! I'm telling you, this is good. If they sin and the enemy is coming against them, if they would just turn and face this house, there's no measured distance on how close you have to be to the house to get heaven to respond. All you have to do is face in the direction of the sanctuary to call on God and he would. If there would be a pestilence or a sickness, are y'all with me right now? A pestilence or a sickness, in 2 Chronicles 6, he said, he said, if they would repent and turn, everybody say turn, could I tell you God didn't wait on you to get here to fix you? It was literally where you turned. You might have been turned turned at a live stream, amen. You might have been turned in your apartment. You might have turned and said, if I could just get back to the house. He didn't wait till the preacher got done. It was in the turning that God moved upon your spirit. <laughs> Woo! And he said, if you'll turn. Everybody say turn. And so he prayed the prayer and the spirit of the Lord moved upon the altar in the temple. And when it did, it was so powerful that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. And here came the response from heaven. Are you ready? Elbow your neighbor and say, wake up and get ready. Man, some of you needed that. Watch, watch what happens. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked way. He said, I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. He said that they would just simply turn. Thank God for the sanctuary, but he'll touch it before you ever get to the sanctuary because you're headed back to the sanctuary. You know what I'm saying right now? Come on, some of you were dedicated here. Some of you, your children were dedicated here. Some of your kids were baptized here. They were filled with the Holy Ghost here. It's where you repented. It's where you made a covenant. And what he said, if you could just get back to the covenant you made, everything you need is coming back. I'm gonna restore everything you've lost. Come on, jump to your feet, clap your hands and shout. There's power in the sanctuary. Praise him. Praise him. Come on, praise him in his sanctuary. When you get in here, there's everything that you need. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I, I, I need to quit, amen. If I don't quit, I don't have anybody to blame it on like Brother Cody, amen, when he goes over time. So everybody say, in the sanctuary, remain standing. Do you understand the significance? Do you also understand why the enemy wants to tear it down? Because if you have nowhere to go, where are you going to turn to? You imagine this church shut down. I know there's other churches. This is not the only church you can go to. But I do believe God calls people to a certain place. Can you say amen? I don't believe your pastor's a televangelist. Boy, that's off the cuff. I don't know where that came from. but Know them that labor among you. And what you've got to understand is sometimes I just got to turn back and get into his house. To be separated from the body is to be disconnected from Christ. 
How many know it's true? And if I can tear down, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He come down, demolish and destroy the house of God. But there was a great return later, just like Hezekiah. There was such a great, great return. They went back and built it again. And the people came from all over the world back to the place of Jerusalem to worship God. Amen. When they returned, they'd been so far away from God in Hezekiah's day. Let me get there. They didn't do it all right. Because they'd been so far removed from the law that they were eating bread they shouldn't have been eating. They were hungry. Hezekiah went and said, Lord, we're still, we're still in the revival and learning process. Would you forgive the people for doing some things out of order? The Bible says the Lord hearkened to the voice of Hezekiah. Because the Lord saw they were returning, he allowed some things that they were doing that weren't right to be forgiven. Because sometimes in the return, we forget some things that are here. I'm going to tell you what happened. When forgiveness came and they came and sanctification and all the processes came, the Bible says they got the timbrels out. They got the trumpets out. They got the singers out. You know what they were celebrating? A return to the house of God. Can I just go ahead and tell you that when one sinner repents, all of heaven starts praising. All of heaven starts rejoicing. If, if Uzziah's decision caused a generation to not go to church, you know what I say to you? Hezekiah's decision will cause the next generation to go back to church. I'm telling you, your decision to return is going to impact more than just you and your family, many more to come that you love and care for. Would you thank God for His sanctuary? Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I'm going to try to pick up here because I told you the carvings of the doors, but I never told you what those represent. But I'm going to plan on picking this up in two weeks and uh, the doors sanctuary before you leave. And uh, not leave, but take a break. Would you lift your hands and love him? Come on, thank you for your sanctuary. God, we want our children. We want our siblings. We want our families. Oh, God, to be impacted by the value by the value of going to the house of God, being in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, praise him in his sanctuary. Amen, amen. Stick around a little while, take a break. We'll start worship at 11 o'clock. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.